I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Syracuse shoots a season-best 60% from the floor and easily takes a Quadrant 2 win over Boston College in the Dome. What the heck is a Quadrant 2 win? We'll give you the breakdown of the new NCAA Selection Committee criteria. All of that then, Joe will let us know what to look forward to as the Orange leaves Syracuse to play the Panthers Saturday, January 27th at 4 o'clock. Let's go. Make some noise, Orange fans! It's time for the Juice Nation Podcast with Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Juice Nation Podcast. Alright, what's up Q's Nation? Thanks for tuning in to episode 53 of the Q's Nation podcast with Sean and Joe. We can be found on any major platform or directory, including podcast addict app, player FM app, pretty much everywhere. So uh, we really appreciate everybody tuning in. We appreciate everybody on the Facebook page. Everybody's going to QSNationShow.com. Um, we can't thank you enough. If you could would be great if you could subscribe to the whatever platform you listen on and um, give us a rating on iTunes. We'd very much appreciate that. Uh, enough can't be said, so thanks in advance for that. Uh, once again, I'm Sean alongside my good buddy Joe. So I was actually a little worried about this game, and they they started off slow, but they didn't start off slow on offense like they normally do. They started off a little bit slow on on defense, which is... Um, you know, it's a little abnormal, but they ended up, they ended up pulling it out and a season best I mentioned from the field, 60%, a previous high was against Colgate all the way. It was 52.1. So that's huge. They did a tremendous job from the floor. It was the first time that they had five players score double digits since forever in November, Texas Southern. A couple things that I saw, I think this was from Brent X. Wednesday night's matchup was the 72nd time that we've met Boston College, and we hold the record at 47 and 25, and we've won the six out of the last seven games. And another quick note too is that Joe Lenardi was watching this game because he thinks they're playing for a spot in his latest bracket ratings. So we got that win. So there's that. 47 points was the most the Orange has ever mustered up any first half all season they outscored bc 30 to 14 in the paint and outscored them 
17 to 6 off of turnovers, which was that was my favorite one. That 17 to 6 off of turnovers, that was awesome. What they have? 17 turnovers to our 11. Yep. And um, Howard did a fantastic job. Zero turnovers. We talked about Howard last week against Pitt. He had one turnover. Well, he had zero today. Zero. Yeah. Grade in the orange, Joe. How, break it down real quick. What'd you see? What grade are you going to give him? Oh, that was just um, probably the most complete game. I mean, like you said, other than the defense in the beginning, um, we usually are the ones that give the uh, other team fits until they figure it out. But it was the other way around. But um, we made some adjustments pretty quick. And, uh, yeah, as far as offense goes, definitely our best offensive game um, this year, especially in ACC. Um, not a, not a lot of turnovers, and, and we were just making shots. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be tough to beat us if we can play like that. Um, little upsetting about the, the Moyer injury. Um, he only got five minutes, and who knows how bad it's going to be. I know he was in an air cast or a walking boot, but um, that's usually just precautionary. Um, overall, um, I, got a, I got a great amount as an A. Really, um, I'm not going to give them an A plus because they weren't perfect. But I mean, they were again. I mean, that was the best game they played, and I was worried just like you were. And you know, you read about the Joe Lenardi thing. I was also, you know, doing last podcast kind of talked about how I thought that we were going to be similar teams down the end that could be two possible bubble teams, and that these games, um, you know, one on one, that they matter. Uh, because that could be the difference when it comes down to the conference. You know, just basically we could be so close in a resume that it's, you know, well, who beat who when they played. So that's why it was a big win. And, uh, again, it pushes us towards um, Pittsburgh. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say an A, man. No doubt about it. Yeah, I, um, I, I gave him an A as well. I gave him an A as well, mostly um, because of the offense, like you said, obviously. Um they they did a they did a couple things really great. They they even shot they even shot forty three point seven percent behind the arc. I mean, yeah. it's unheard of. I would like to see him get to the line more. I would like to see him grab some more offensive rebounds. Only eight, but as I mentioned with you earlier, Joe, it seemed like everything was falling. So the opportunity for offensive rebounds was obviously diminished a little bit, at least because they shot so well. Um, yeah. You know, just just a really good game. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's really hard, especially in in conference play, to pull out a absolute, you know, perfect A plus game. Um, you know, being that they went um, Boston College, that is went four for four right off the bat uh, for threes. Uh, Kai Bowman and what's his Robinson? What the heck's his name there? Yeah, Jerome Robinson. Yeah, they. I think they combined for. Well, and, and Chapman. Yeah, but Kai Bowman and Robinson, they, they combined for 41 points. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, Bowman was 6 for 13, and it's it's tough to stop two guys. They were really comparable on the stat sheet, and, you know, yeah. it's hard enough to stop one guy with this defense sometimes. So to to have two guys scoring like that is tough, but that was it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, once – once we started um, making the adjustments and getting out and kind of manning up to not give them as, as good as shots, um, I mean, Chapman was a big part of the three. Uh, Robinson had 21 points, but he was only one or two from the three-point line. So he did his damage um, underneath and, and taking some mid-range jumpers after uh, Chapman got in some foul trouble and 
we started making our adjustments and weren't just allowing them to take uh, wide open threes. So, but Chap- Chapman went four for seven from the three point line and um, with he only had twelve points, so that was those four shots. But we got him in foul trouble and he he eventually actually um, fouled out as soon as he got back in the game after he was sitting for four fouls. So that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's kind of their big three. Those three guards. It's it's kind of similar to the way that. Uh, offensively for us uh, with our, our big three. So, but just last night we got help and our, our big three beat their big three with the guy being in foul trouble. But they did still shoot 47.8% from the three point line. But Kai Bowman was making some deep ones. And yeah, he was in who shot the one at the end of the first half. Kai Bowman. Okay. Uh, That was a three quarters. That was real deep. (laughs) That was was deep, deep, deep. I thought it was close, too, but I wasn't as close when you looked at the replay. A competitive first half, really. The orange shot, we mentioned 60% for the game. They actually shot 64.3% in the first half. Yeah, if, like I mentioned, forty-seven points was the the, the most they they've mustered up all season in the first half. But Boston College was not equally as is competitive there. We did go into the locker room with a ten-point lead, but they did shoot forty-eight percent and forty-six point seven percent of their threes. Yeah, so they just, they just had nothing down low, and other than Robinson, it was very difficult for them to uh, to just really make anything inside the three-point arc. So. Um, you gave him an A. I gave him an A. Uh, Joe, who who is your player of the game? Uh, you could go by stats, but if you went by stats, uh, I mean, you could give the player of the game to the best player every single time. Right. Um, in, this, in this case. Too easy. In this case, I mean, it would be too easy to give it to Ty's battle because he was very efficient and he shot, uh, had, you know, leading score, had, had the most points. But in a game like this, uh, I mean, he could have missed a couple. We still would have been fine. You know, Howard could have – he could have had a couple turnovers. We would have been fine. I mean, I would probably give it to Merrick oh. considering considering expectations. Not that I steal yours. Yeah, he did. Sorry, <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, it's just – you know, it would be too easy to give it to battle. Very efficient, 9 of 14, 24 points, but – Dolce coming in and playing the defense that he played. He got his hands on the, on some balls, some tip passes, uh, 12 points, going four for four from the field with uh, two assists, eight rebounds. Um, four for four from the line. Yeah. I mean, he led the team in rebounding. So he, he's, And to come in. And uh, the thing is, too, with him is he's had, you know, good games earlier in the season that could, you know, wouldn't make this so surprising. But lately he hasn't been playing that well. And um, Moyer has been getting a majority of the minutes. So for him to just step up like that after, you know, more than five minutes into the game, Moyer goes down and he's not coming back. Uh, I think, um, I think that was impressive and I didn't see it coming And And honestly, it could have been the difference <clears throat> in the game. I mean, all the guys, zero turnovers. I mean, yeah. played 35 out of 40 minutes, zero turnovers. I think he had one foul. And you know when Merrick gets a foul, if he thinks it's legit, I love how he he. <laughs> yeah, he, I think fe- he, put- he fesses up to him. Yeah, I think he had th- well, he had three fouls, but a oh, couple did he? of them I'm sorry. were. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There was well, th- there was that one little run that BC had there a little bit late, oh, and I did. think um, Merrick fouled on purpose, not only to stop a three on two, but also to it was under the. Uh, the eight minute TV time out there. And um, so he knew if he followed, then it would have been, it looked like they were getting a little tired, you know, with those guys putting up those minutes. So kind of looked like he hacked the guy to stop a little fast break and to 
get a TV timeout. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he had a great game. Great yeah, game. He was he was my player of the game too as well. So I'll just piggyback that. Um, a career high twelve points. He had a combined eight points in the ACC prior to the twelve point game last night against Boston College. Um, coach said he's been he's been really working on his shooting. It's hard to improve your shooting in one year. He was talking about how he's actually done that and how his free throws are. He has perfect form. He's actually ten for ten on in, in free throws um, in the last seven games. So he doesn't get to the line much, but he has been ten for ten. Um, and you know when you give him space, as coach mentioned, he's good. You know, he turned around, he hit a 15-foot jumper, you know? Yep. Um, so, awesome. I also yep. thought Chukwu, he played one of his best games, I think, Play as well. Played the game. Yeah. He, you know, he had the... Uh, he, everybody got up out there, uh, off their seat in the dome when he when he threw that dunk down on that little pass there. Um, and that was fantastic. But, you know, he scored 14 points, 6 for 7 shooting. He grabbed 7 rebounds. He played all 40 minutes. And he gave it his all. And this is what we talked about coming into this game, coming off the pit game, uh, criticizing him a little bit. And um, as Coach said, he said uh, he, he thinks um, Sadibi's starting to feel the, feel a little better. Uh, but, yep. but Chuku was so solid last night that they didn't want to take him out of the game. Yep. <laughs> so they just left him in there, which is fine. You know, let Sadibi rest. If everything's going good... Unless he absolutely needs a rest, he's playing like that. I, I'm, I'm there. I'll leave him in. Leave him yeah. in. Yeah. Um, no, he's in Bayheim's always been on that, like we've talked about before, just with all the timeouts you have and the stoppage of play and the TV timeouts and just how young the kids are and how, um, you know, conditioned they are. They just he doesn't think it's a big deal. So when everyone talks about oh they go this deep, they go this deep, they go this many players deep, like. He, he's going to play the best guys, and if they can play and they're not tired, then he's not going to take them out. That's yeah. just what it is, you know? So, <laughs> um, Any final thoughts on the Boston College game? No. Overall, I mean, good win, and I think it definitely starts to put another a little bit of a positive spin on, on this after losing a couple in a row there and after that Florida State game and the heartbreaker against Notre Dame. Um Stuff started to look like, uh, you know, the, uh, the the fans were coming out, the boo birds, the negative people, and, and get two wins like this and get some confidence up. I mean, we actually looked like a formidable offensive team last night. So Yeah, hopefully they can keep it up. So Yep. All right, that's all we got to say about that. The NCAA has new criteria for, for judging who's getting in the tournament come March. It's broken down into four quadrants, and the four quadrants are broken down into three sections each, um, and they're all uh, um, basically broke down home, neutral, and away, giving more emphasis on neutral games and um, obviously more emphasis than that on away games, and it's all broken down in these quadrants by the RPI. So, like, as right now, we are, like last night, I said it was a quadrant two win. That could change at any point. Uh, it, depending on Boston College's RPI. So when you get a win like that, you hope, like um, Buffalo. B- 
Buffalo is our, we're one in three in quadrant one. And Buffalo is our one win in quadrant one. If they fall out of, if their RPI falls out of that demographic, that was a home game. Um, so that's one to 30 RPI. If they fall out of that, that goes away and becomes a quadrant two win most likely. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to break this down real quick for you, Joe, and then you tell me what you think. I know it's early for this, but this is going to make it a little bit more exciting, I think, for SU fans because I feel like we're kind of a bubble team. This is a more transparent way of looking at um, the NCAA's thinking and how we can you know, actually see what they're actually looking at now and having it right in front of you. So And it's easy to compare your team versus another team too. Uh, quadrant one, home RPIs is 1 through 30. Neutral is 1 through 50. Away is 1 through 75. Quadrant 2, home is RPIs um, 31 through 75. Neutral is 51 through 100. Away is 76 through 135, and so on and so on. You can see the breakdown um, at QSNationShow.com or just Google it. It's on Syracuse.com. I kind of just blogged off of their page. Uh, Joe, how do you feel about this? No, I mean, I like it. Coaches have been forever you know, looking for some type of criteria or some type of process or some something transparent that they can go off of so that they can put compare their teams or so that they know what they have to do. And uh, I think right now, this right here, I mean, this year with this starting, it's uh, I think it's going to change change the way the bubble teams get looked at and then hopefully change the teams that actually get invited to this tournament. And then that can show some transparency as to whether or not you know, as far as what what teams need to do to get in, and a lot of this comes down to mid-major teams. You know, uh, teams like uh, like Buffalo, you know, Boy- <laughs> Buffalo, Boise yeah. State, out out west. Um, you know, some Mountain West teams, Wyoming, um, Nevada. You know, there's some good teams out there that sometimes get snubbed if they happen to not win their conference tournament. And um, this type of thing right here, pretty much. I mean, it's 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 breaking down and it's giving you points and it's it's showing you. You know how good of a, of a game, as far as win or loss, it's going to be. Is it a bad loss? Is, is it a bad or a good win? Um, and it's really easy to, like you said, break it down. You can you can go through the RPIs of the teams that you played, and and you can you know look at the result and see where they played, and, and you can actually break down the records of each quadrant. And like uh, we were looking at it before, um, you know, quadrant three and four, we're undefeated. So right now we have we don't no have bad a, wins. We, we don't have a bad loss. Right. Yeah. So um, it's easy to break that stuff down. So when you can compare it, you know, um, I know I don't know if you plan on possibly wanting to post this at the Facebook page or whatever. But, um, you know, in one of the articles I read, they had a little team sheet description. It's actually a a setup with a key and everything of of how teams are going to get looked at. Um, And it's basically their resume. And it's just a technical way to look at it. And this is going really in deep sports nerd stuff. So I'm not going to touch that. But yeah, um, it is. It's it's confusing to look at until you realize what you're looking at. Exactly. And I think it's going to take going through and actually getting down to March and seeing the way that uh, some of these uh, so-called experts on the TV look at it. Exactly. um, The thing is, that's great about it, Joe, is you don't need to be a freaking expert anymore. You don't, you don't have to be an expert right. anymore. The only thing that's fishy about it, and it's it's not even fishy, is that it's going off, it's mainly going off of RPI. Now, RPI isn't isn't a perfect formula, but it does no. it does the best it can, I think, basically um 
it rank ranking teams by their wins and losses and strength of schedule. It, there's, right. there's no real scientific formula for it. If there was, I think we'd have it by now. So RPI is isn't a pure formula, but. When, in, taking that into consideration, I think it's pretty fair. If anybody can screw it up, though, it's the NCAA. But this will let yeah. this will let you see exactly what they're seeing, and you can tell where you need to be at. It's, I think it's a level playing field for everybody, which is important. You feel sometimes like you get, you know, snubbed. What was it, Monmouth, in that NCAA article? Yep. Um, uh, they were out in 2016. Um, if you, if, if you look at this breakdown, they would have actually been in. Yeah. So you've got to wonder how many teams, you know, fell into that category where they actually yeah. didn't make it, but should have, if they would have used this, this, uh, new criteria. It's interesting. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to go crazy and, and keep track of like other teams and looking at when we get closer and stuff like that. You know, Joe Lenardi still going to do his bracketology and I haven't heard too much talk actually by the, um, the experts on TV yet talking about the quadrant stuff and uh so it's kind of you know i'm just going to go along i'm going to keep track of of syracuse and i'm sure syracuse.com and some other writers uh for the team are gonna you know write some stories like uh they did uh, a week ago um or a couple of days ago or whatever but uh yeah I'm, I'm i mean just just keep a track of it and you know the whole thing with the ncaa with this now is now they can't drop the ball because no, they can't because it's well because because be what happened like you said just are they going to come out and say, well, this is just one part of it? And like, if like, why are you doing this? If you're going to do this and make this whole thing, then, you know, you better go by it. So I give them credit is probably the only time I've given them credit for doing this. For yes, doing but at this. the same and, time, if this ends up coming out to where this really doesn't mean anything and the same teams are getting snubbed, you know, and oh, then we'll have a problem. Then we'll have something well, exactly. to say about it. So, right. So now, I mean, putting this into place is, you know, putting the NCAA, I mean, now it's it's going to be, people are going to be going by this. You know, there's going to be teams that are going to be going by this, mid-major teams and other people looking at this. And at the end of the day, like you said, it's not a perfect, RPI is not perfect. The system's not perfect. Uh, it's never going to be. And no matter what, there's always going to be people thinking that they got snubbed or complaining. It doesn't matter if you have 32 teams in a tournament, 64, 68, you know, as far as, you know, NCAA football, if they want to expand it to eight, it doesn't matter because then, you know, the next team out is always going to complain about it. So you, you can know, use you, this formula for football. That's the beauty of it. And, and they might want to look into that, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So um, one more thing. What was I going to say? Oh, there is real time RPI. So you can go, you can Google your team's RPI or whatever, or any team's RPI. They'll show you real time. So yep. it, up to up to the minute, you know, you know. So after the game is played, you can look at someone's RPI almost instantly. So you you Google the RPI. You, you if you got if you've got you know a quadrant breakdown, you can just look and see where we're at right now. Like Joe said, we're undefeated in three and four quadrant three and four so we have zero bad losses now uh maybe a quadrant two loss down the road could become a bad loss but um you know we'll have to just wait well, and see the thing about it and is, that's well it, that's what's interesting is it's always moving right you exactly know? so exactly. it's not what it is today it might not be tomorrow so exactly. you know you can keep track of it you can try to follow it uh at the end of the day <laughs> it's gonna come down to just once we get to 
the conference tournaments, it's going to probably be talked about a little bit more, and that's when there's a little bit less movement because there's less games and people start getting eliminated. Um, so well, it's going, in, be, it's in going two, to be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. Um, but as with the lifetime RPI, I will bet you that it's only a matter of time before someone comes out with, you know, a lifetime, you know, your team's where your team ranks in the quadrant. You won't even have to figure it out. You just go to a website and look. It's only, oh, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before that happens. So, right. All right. There's your quadrant breakdown. I love it. I think it's great. Um, we're going to see how it works out this year and it's going to be exciting for Syracuse fans. And, uh, that's all we got to say about that. All right, Joe, heading to Pitt this Saturday. Worst team in the ACC, narrowly, narrowly won, uh, lost a game against uh, the uh, the Wolf Pack. Um, NC State, right? Yeah. Um, so they almost they they were almost in there, but they they weren't quite. So this team's hungry. Uh, that's dangerous, especially at home. Uh, four o'clock on a Saturday. I mean, it could be loud in there. It's it's yeah. it's designed to be loud. That that um, arena. It's the zoo. It's the zoo. So Peterson Events Center. Um, <laughs> or that. <laughs> so uh, Joe, what what do we got to do? What do we got to do? Coming off this big win, not a big win, but a a healthy, solid win against Boston College, going into the zoo. What do they got to do? I think they just got to stay right where they're at. Just don't get. You know, too full of yourself. Don't get too overconfident. But, um, I mean, the fact that it's away and what we've done away so far is in conference last year, this year, it's been difficult. And there's a reason why, you know, like we just talked about, they they put different weight on road games and home, home games. When we talk about the quadrants and NCA and stuff, it's just – and you see it in the betting lines too. So, I mean, we were a 17-point favorite, I think, against uh, – against Pittsburgh the first time and I don't know exactly what the uh the line is now but um I'd be willing to bet that it's uh not 17 so <laughs> um I I just don't see a team that can beat us if we I mean you remember back what was it a couple Tuesdays ago when we played Pittsburgh and we talked about how ugly the game was and it was hard to watch and, yeah. and we won by and we won by 15 right true <laughs> so yeah. We expected you know, more, I think, out of that game. I think we did, but I thought you, I think you saw early with him bringing in Sidibe early, bringing you know Howard Washington yeah, he was early. Playing he around. wasn't a, he wasn't afraid to you know mess around with some get some people some minutes and so to try to prove some points, get some learning uh, points in there um, early. But it's just I just can't see us losing this game. It's just like almost like the same. I mean, I was worried about it, and it only reason I was worried about it is because if we lose, it's just looked at as a bad loss. I was looking at it earlier today. I was uh, looking at Ken Pomeroy. See where we've been in the forties all year. We're up to 43 right now. Um, meanwhile, Pittsburgh last time when we played them, they were two Oh two. Now they're two eleven. So they're just falling back. And I truly do believe that they are probably one of the, <laughs> probably the worst team out of all the big conferences. Um, and, it would just look bad, I think, if anybody lost to them in conference at it, this point. Yeah, so. they, um, realtimerpi.com has them rated at a 171, and that would be a quadrant three uh, loss. Right, and the only reason so. that's a quadrant three loss is because we're playing them there. It'd be a quadrant four if it was home, so that's why exactly. I was so worried about the home game. Exactly, yep. 
Yep. And it, but, it and for them, for them it would be uh it would be a quadrant one win. Or wait. Yeah. Would it? Well quadrant yes, it one would. one yes, it would. at Syracuse it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. But so I don't know. I'd probably be two at this, this point. Is, but this I'm, is our new language. We have to talk in quadrants. I wish they would have called yeah. it something else. What, where do they have our RPI, by the way? Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, this is. Um, 38. 38. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I mean, if you look at what they say with the quadrants, what a home. 31 through 75, it'd so it'd be, quad, it'd be quadrant two if they win. But, yeah. I mean, I don't think Pittsburgh's got to worry about quadrants. Pittsburgh's got to worry about a lot more than quadrants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, so that's how we're going to talk now, though, because to – to and it sounds confusing at first, but we're going to nail it down. I think every episode we need to know, you know, at least in that – in the moment, coming off a game, going into a game, what we're looking at as far yeah. as as far as – you know what the NCAA is gonna, gonna. Um, well, well, I mean, consider. they painted a picture as far as yeah. you know, most important and you know, at least so you can look at the game before the game. And I mean, granted, like we said, RPIs change, but we can only live in you know the present. So, you know, just going in and looking at like we're talking about the preview of Pittsburgh. We're going to do this every week. We're going to look at the team. We're going to see where they're at and where we're playing them, and and that's going to give us a quadrant and tell us how important that game is. And you know, if it's if that's a quadrant three or four, then then that's that's a must win in my opinion. So it's it's a must win. We don't want any bad losses because I think we're going to have um, good losses, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, you well, know, no loss is a good loss, but, but losses that don't hurt us. Right, exactly. And you know, playing Duke in uh, Cameron Indoor, for instance, you know. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we get there. But you know, that's going to be a quadrant one. <laughs> ex- exactly. Um, so, Joe, real quick, do you want to give a, a a flyby version of the new recruit, the transfer from Oklahoma for football, and um, what's going on? No, there? yeah, no, no. It's just um, it's just exciting. Last couple of weeks uh, with some um, recruiting news, and we do know National Signing Day is. I believe it's like February 6th or it's a, it's the first week of February. So it's coming up here and we still got some spots to fill. So um, we're getting down to the nitty gritty and um, there's a lot of guys that, that we're looking at. Um, but we uh, recently, the past couple of weeks, got a couple transfers and it's got me kind of excited because they're not just transfers that um, that didn't play. They're just transfers that they went to, uh, you know, Good recruits went to good schools, and they're just not getting the playing time or the recognition they feel that they deserve. And they realize and see an opportunity in Syracuse. Um, whether people do want to believe it or not, um, you know, Dino Babers is looked at by his peers as a good coach. Um, people do respect him, and everybody that respects him and his peers, they think that um, Syracuse is on the uprise. Um, and the players know that too. That that all that's like a something internally that you know coaches talk to coaches, talk to high school coaches, talk to kids, and everything. And um, the bottom line is is that now Syracuse right now is a destination for playmakers because we lack them. <laughs> and they've seen what some people can do with the past couple of years with Ambad Atal and and Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips. And um, like I said, these past two weeks, we've gotten two former four star. Um, athletes 
that have transferred from big time schools. Um, first one, uh, Tristan uh, Jackson, he transferred from Michigan State. Uh, started the first four games this year, and he ended up losing some playing time to some other guys. You know, big schools, big competition. But um, he was a sophomore, so he's got to sit out a year, and um, he'll, you know, not going to be able to play this year. But albeit he's just four star receiver, and um, also uh, four star running back Abdul Adams is transferring from Oklahoma, and he also was a sophomore, and he had. Uh, he had gotten some burn this year, but there was just some talk about he didn't get recruited by the new running back coach, so it wasn't his guy, and it was a newer guy, and he just felt like he wasn't getting the same type of opportunities. So he just felt like he wanted to move on somewhere where he could uh, could show his op- you know show his talents. He was the number fifteen running back uh, two years ago, so two four- former four star um, recruits that have to sit out this year but once Dungey graduates and DeVito takes over the reins two years from now he's going to have a good uh, receiver and a real good uh, running back that's going to be um, joining him so I'm excited about it but I know like I said it's two years away from now but it's just you know it's proof of what Babers is doing building depth and there's playmakers that want to come here so I you know just got to be patient I think we talked about a number of back in the during the football season, how long it takes to really actually rebuild, you know, some of these teams. We use Duke as an example from uh, off the top of my head. I can remember uh, six years for them to be competitive. Um, <clears throat> just I hope people don't start calling for his head if you know we have another down year. We don't make it to a bowl game because the year after that's really when you're going to start seeing, you know, you're going to start reaping the the rewards for the work yeah. that he's actually put in. So uh, yeah, I think it's important and, to be patient, you know, well, it, and it, it sucks. It sucks. Cause it, we've been patient since what? 98. Well, the problem <laughs> is, is that, I mean, honestly, a lot of the Syracuse fans haven't been that patient um, because it does take time. If you look at the coaches that we've had, um, I wasn't a big fan of Greg Robinson. I'm um, Doug Marone. I was a big fan of, but he uh, took an NFL job and, um, Scott Schaefer, I felt they kind of cut him loose a little early, but yeah, they I mean, did. yeah, I would like to see them get some more opportunities, but not to say that they didn't make a, a good choice after that. I just thought that, you know, he didn't really get a fair shake. I don't think, I think a coach should be able to get four to five years just because of the turnaround and the turnover and the change of systems. And the fact of the matter is, is that football is a system, a system game. There's some players that can play in certain systems that just cannot flourish in other ones, and that's just the truth of the matter. If you talk to any anybody in the NFL that knows anything about anything or just anything about football, it's it's that's depending on what the scheme, you know, the coaches, what they play, what they run. It depends on what type of person is playing on on that team. So there's always a turnover. There's always players that transfer, and it takes time for you know they get a recruiting class, but they're freshmen. You know, then you got to wait another year. I mean, there's a lot of times when players two takes two, three, four years, you know, a red shirt in three years before, you know, they figure it out. And you don't get the best recruits when you're starting off as low as Syracuse was. So it takes time. And um, and he's shown solid improvement every single year. I can see it with the players that we're getting. We haven't had. There hasn't been this much talk about four stars and Syracuse recruiting, and I can't, I, I can't remember. There might not even have been a time. So, um, like you <laughs> said, exciting. just 
Yeah, just I mean, I'm excited, but I also understand that I mean, I'm excited about a year's like a, a season that's two, three years away. You know what I mean? So right, right. And, yeah, yeah. and there's too many people that just want the instant gratification, but they don't see the work that's getting put in to build that depth to be better. So yep, exactly. All right, well, a little football news at the end of the episode 53. Um, anything else, Joe? Any final thoughts? Nah, man. Just had to yeah. add it because uh, football is my sport, and uh, you know it got me excited about it. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, hey, if you can go to facebook.com forward slash Cuse Nation Podcast, thumb us up there. We appreciate it. Spread the word with your friends. We appreciate that even more. I guess that's it. Episode 53 in the books. We'll come back as soon as possible uh, after the pit game on Saturday. Whoop up on those boys. And we'll do the Georgia. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hopefully do that away from home. And Mm -hmm. um, we'll come back after that game to uh, preview Georgia Tech. So at Georgia Tech, which will be another tough game. So for Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Beep it. You just heard the Nation podcast with Sean and Joe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. 
Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.